Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Strike! Tell me something I don't know, Ump. Well, unlike that nasty curveball, there aren't any surprises when you finance your next car with Carvana. You get real terms personalized for you right in your strike zone. Really? Steeride! How am I supposed to focus when you're telling me about Carvana? Well, Slugger, you gotta keep your eye on the ball. Just like you can keep an eye on your customized down and monthly car payments. I can customize those? He's out and on his way to finance his next car with Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, Join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Hi, I'm Bob Crawford from the Avid Brothers, and the podcast you're listening to is part of the Osiris Network, a global community connecting passionate music fans with podcasts about music, artists, and culture. For more information about all the shows in our network, please visit OsirisPod.com. Osiris. Hey, everybody. 
This is RJ with the Help Your Friendly Podcast. This is a quick hit from the last night of Chicago, and I'm here with a special guest, a former or a previous guest, um, a few times, Rob Mitchum. Um, Rob, it's always good to talk to you and get your your fish opinions. How are you feeling today after a three day run? Yeah, you know, tired. I am definitely <laughs> out of prime fish shape, but uh, yeah, having some hometown shows made it a little bit easier. Cool. And you um, you did the review for Fish.net for last night, right? Yes. Uh, just filed it when we're recording, and uh, I imagine it'll be up by the time where this is out. Cool. Yeah, so people should look at uh, Fish.net for, for Rob's take, but uh, maybe that'll just be supplemental to what you tell us because we want to get your take on, on last night and then the run as a whole. So how, how was last night? What were your kind of overall takeaways? Yeah, I think, you know, of the three nights, last night probably had the most sort of interesting... I guess, contours and choices to it. Uh, that didn't always work, um, but I, that kind of goes hand in hand with when they're like feeling a little more unusual with the kind of set list they put together, the kind of mood they're going for. Um, all weekend had this sort of, I mean, sort of rager, aggressive partying vibe. And I think they went with that for most of the weekend and last night tried to push against it a little and didn't get anywhere and then went back to it for the second set, which is probably a good move and made for just like a pretty, I think, unique uh, take on the high energy set uh, in set two last night. Yeah, so really um, strong start last night with uh, Everything's Right with the Jam, right? That that song has been really delivering in terms of the, the improv. Yeah, it's super consistent. Um, I didn't think last night's jam was the most interesting version of it, uh, but it built really nicely uh, and kind of continued this sort of atmosphere they've been doing all weekend, uh, sort of very methodically building up to sort of the, you know, the big peaky tray hits the hits the high note and they flash the white lights sort of jam. Uh, <laughs> right, right. You know, but, you know, first set opener... That's 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 pretty solid. Set openers were solid all weekend. I thought, um, yeah, they didn't they didn't cheap out on any of that. No, definitely not. And um, that's how it was in Hampton too. We saw several of those. Um, although we saw a lot more kind of dark jamming, I think in Hampton than than maybe this run. But um, what were your other kind of highlights from the first set last night? Yeah. So uh, the tube. I mean, it, it tube might it might have been my favorite jam of the weekend. I need you know a little more time to process mm-hmm. and re listening, mm-hmm. but. Uh, that tube was, you know, probably the best tube I've seen, at least in this era, and maybe even going back uh, to the old days. Nice. It just had, like, such a patient approach and just very effects-driven. We didn't, as you said, we didn't get a lot of dark jamming this weekend, um, or it wasn't dark in the same way, where Hampton saw, and Nashville to some extent, saw sort of the more, like, dark ambient avant-garde type jamming. Uh, we got more like angry jamming <laughs> over the three nights, yeah. and uh, the, but the tube was the closest to sort of that, uh, just very textural, a lot of effects. Nobody was in any hurry, it seemed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The lights were incredible. I didn't see a show last year. Uh, I missed all of 2017, so this is my first. Oh man! It's the like amazing moving light rig, 
it was doing some sort of like meteor storm effect <laughs> where things were just flying in ways that I didn't think was possible for machinery that large. And I think the band was as like into it as everybody else. Good. It was like you felt like the jam was like we're we're just watching this this happen like you are. Uh, the, and then it the hit rig this, is insane, you know, I'm a band right? section. Sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say that you know it, it kind of you know grooved along like that for a while, and then had a really nice sort of like angrier punctuation when they got into "I'm a Man" at the end. There, the guy behind me was cackling demonically every time Trey went back to those chords. <laughs> so it, it really uh, it it felt good and Halloweeny there. That's that's awesome, and it feels like the I was just gonna say the the rig the light rig is insane, right? You haven't it, seen it in person since the since they like made it even more mobile and looking like an alien. Yeah, I mean it, and it, it you know these were my sixty six through sixty eight shows, um, and to still feel like you know a sixteen year old me when I saw the lights for the first time in ninety six, like to get that feeling again is I mean, we talk a lot about fish improbably recapturing the musical feelings of what we all felt way back when. Uh, but yeah. this will just be like gobsmacked by the lights this deep into their career is also like pretty special. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It just, the, the variety of looks he can do now. I mean, there's parts where it seems like he gets the lights so low, it almost feels like a club atmosphere. Uh, right. and then it's right. where he's like just blasting them out all over the arena and like, you know, the most like audacious arena rock light spectacle you can imagine. Like it, it it's crazy. Yeah, that's true. Um, and the, do you think the um, at the beginning you were kind of commenting on the um, on the second set in terms of uh, did you feel like I saw some people on 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 the internets um, complaining that it was like a little meandering or, or not quite you know hitting the the peaks of the rest of the weekend? Is that how it felt when you were there? Or what were your, was your take on this sort of overall flow of the second set? Yeah, you know I liked the second set. I thought it kept me guessing as far as where it went. Um, it, uh, again, it, well, I mean, it didn't have any, you know, very lengthy stretch of jamming, I guess, but it all seemed very focused. It all seemed of like, it kept a pretty consistent tone. Um, the Carini was probably about as in the box as Carini has been in recent years. Uh, but I mean, it set up just a really nice, yeah, uh, connection into no quarter, which I didn't expect to hear at all, and was very well played, and even got some extra jamming. I think for the first time, I can't remember another one that had that. Yeah, that was that long for sure. Yeah, yeah, and then I, I mean, it's like yeah, another sort of like entry level fish thing in some ways, but just the fact that they can put together a Led Zeppelin song and a Talking Heads song, like that is so wrong from like a classic rock canon perspective those are like two entirely different things Uh, the fact that they can just like almost effortlessly like put that together is just like a really technically impressive feat to me and makes me laugh because yeah it's just it's bizarre what a weird band rock rock critics everywhere were were shaking their heads and and stroking their beards yeah yeah well you know at least Steve Hyden and I were not. <laughs> we may have been stroking our beards, but we weren't shaking our head. Uh, and uh, yeah, and like, you know, so What's the Use is my favorite fish song 
by a mile. Uh, though it no. always bugs me, they just like started up out of nowhere. I don't think mm-hmm. it really works as well like that. Uh, mm-hmm. And this was kind of like the perfectly placed. What's the use? Where the twist jam just got like more and more and more cosmic until it just felt totally natural for them to drop into what's the use. And, and I knew you liked that song, but I didn't realize it's your favorite. That's really cool. Yeah. You got it. I think it's it just it does what everything that I like about fish it like captures it in one composition and no lyrics nothing else really has and it has no lyrics right though it does i guess in the one weird version from the oh right 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 uh but yeah it's just like it is like they bottled the perfect fish jam and made it a song uh so i'm i'm always down to hear it it's a good way to look at it for sure and they in the middle of twist and then back into twist and then into shade which is a you know, maybe if you're there, questionable late second set choice, but I really like that song, and it seemed like it was a good um, a good breather before a really good plasma. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought the show was kind of... I, I felt like a slave was coming. I felt like this is the Sunday night wind down. Uh, we're just going to chill out for the rest of the night. Uh, but plasma, yeah, came out of nowhere and had a really sort of nice interesting jam it really called back to the tweezer jam friday i mean both of them had parts that you know might as well have been party time right right <laughs> uh, so it was kind of like a tweet prize of a different sort i guess like, it's like hey remember that jam we played in tweezer we can do that again too uh yeah i've been hearing kinda... that you heard that all weekend right i also heard like bla- it sounded like every jam was blaze on too yeah that was sort of like that just sort of major key like sort of uh yeah that that sort of rhythm new orleansy rhythm i guess uh was was popping up again and again as sort of the like the release valve for yeah. a lot of more uh harder jamming um yeah it was good and it kind of kicked off like an unexpected last wind of uh again sort of raging jams the character zero was really intense and fish was feeling it clearly uh and uh i think they did kind of blow through the at least the soft curfew at rosemont to do flatbed so everybody got a little bonus uh fist pumping at the end nice so um what was like what's your takeaway from the whole weekend and then second part of the last question here is are you playing the, the halloween guessing game and did you and steven hyden did you guys come up with any new theories after last night or are you are you trying to stay out of that uh, sorry, Archie, it broke up a little bit in that question. Can you? Oh, it's all good. Um, what's your sort of takeaway from the weekend, and are you playing the Halloween guessing game at all? Ah, yes, yes. So I did kind of write into my recap that like it's it's kind of like the worst show to recap the one right before Halloween because like mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. you say is gonna like be irrelevant in three days because uh, it'll all make sense after we hear whatever they are deciding to do <laughs> right night um yeah you know i felt more so than predicting the next halloween the whole thing the whole weekend felt a lot like halloween 95 to me and obviously we were in the same venue as halloween 95 it felt like a very hard rock focused weekend and even like things like the no man's which was you know by far the longest jam of the weekend and had the most sort of distinct sections was still this kind of like riff focused like like hard rock jamming uh that felt you know a lot like the who they didn't play anything from quadrophenia but i felt like they were in that sort of mind mindset 
a lot of the weekend. Um, and yeah, it was just like an angrier set of shows than I expected to see at this point in Fish's life. Like, I think a lot of 3.0 is very positive minded and happy. <laughs> and that's great, like up to a point. Um, but I do sort of miss like the, you know, a little more like dangerous times of Fish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. While I would prefer to be more dangerous in terms of like, like dark experimental jams. Uh, this was also kind of nice to hear Trey, like really in sort of, you know, Hendrix shredding mode a lot more often than he has been in recent years. Uh, and it just kind of fits the Allstate arena, that sound, because it it's not the greatest sounding venue. Um, so it seemed like they played really loud, both just in terms of volume and in terms of approach for a lot of the weekend, just to, to meet that sort of acoustic setting mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah it was like a different weekend than i expected in a lot of ways i think and felt a little more like sort of the shows i saw there in 99 and 2000 um than i you know would have expected to hear in 2018 um but yeah i, I mean i think it's a good it's just been a, it's been a good sort of classic fall tour in a lot of ways like it really feels like they're sort of in that atmosphere they used to get in where everything seems just a little bit darker and a little bit more intense in the fall. Um, yeah. Yeah. I get yeah, like, I agree. in my recap, I get a little bit like political. We'll see how much that makes it into the final cut. But I mean, it was, it was a bummer weekend outside of fish. Yeah. It was terrifying to go back and read what was happening in the real yeah. world. And so fish being angry, like felt appropriate um and you know and it makes the points where they did find sort of release and euphoria all the all the better uh because it seems sort of grounded in just like the uncertainty that's all around us everywhere yeah. else of yeah this show. totally man i totally agree and, and get that um and not to end on a on a on a downer but yeah it was there's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now and for people who get to go to see fish it is a it is a release and i think they realize that but um you know it's a complex thing right it's not like they're re- reacting to anything directly we're not you know it's it's all part of it but i think it is like it's so nice to be able to go and forget about the world for what three hours yeah. um i don't want them to make an explicit <laughs> statement about current events right uh, right 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 because that's complicated in itself right Right, but it is like nice to at least see some of that tone. I think reflected in how they're playing, rather than it being just completely detached from yeah. reality. Well, Fishman's certainly doing his fair share of commentating for the for the whole band. Right, exactly. Just <laughs> off stage, which is fine. Yeah. Um, well, I encourage people to check out your Fishnet review, and um, thanks for for joining. If we're going to send people out with a little music from last night, what do you want to what do you want people to hear if they haven't heard the show yet? Uh, go for the tube. Uh, All right, I loved it. It was great. All right, we'll go. We'll go for the tube, and we'll we'll talk to you um, hopefully again soon, Rob. Maybe we can do another episode soon. It's always good to get your fish opinions. Yep, happy to happy to be on whenever. All right, brother. Have a good one. Have a good yep, good luck recovering. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. I will. <laughs> thanks, every, thanks everyone for joining. Check out our um, couch report from Vegas, which will be on Thursday afternoon, um, and I'll uh, I'll put a link to that in the notes. So thanks everyone for joining. Thanks, Rob. Talk to y'all soon. <laughs> Thank you.
One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one hit thunder or were nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! Yeah! The Wrath of the Buzzard, WMMS, Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.